If you're looking for a show about everyday black dreamers and doers, you've come to the right place. Join me on a quest to find ordinary people doing extraordinary things, reinterpreting the rules of the game in order to achieve life on their own terms. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. this episode, I interview Denzel Sinclair, an award-winning Canadian and jazz vocalist. In our conversation, Denzel and I discuss his early influences, particularly of Nat King Cole, and how they have shaped his performance style. Next, we discuss how a performer can connect authentically with the audience and whenever that happens the performance is more authentic and real and and felt and lastly we delve into the importance of maintaining his voice as a singer as well as the downsides of using air conditioning so Stick around, tuck in, and get ready to listen to this new episode of Black Gold Podcast. Welcome to this new episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Today with me, I have Denzel Sinclair. He's one of Canada's most popular jazz vocalists and is ranked among the finest jazz singers of his generation. He is a graduate of McGill University's Jazz Performance Program. And he has that that genesequa, that that quality of of musicians and, and, and jazz performers that whenever you hear it, you know, like that's jazz. He's also a two-time Juno Award nominee and the recipient of the National Jazz Award for the best album. And he was awarded the best male jazz vocalist for Jazz Report Magazine. So, Denzel, I I can go on and on about your your accolades and your awards, but uh, thank you for being on the show. And I'm curious, like, how did you get into into jazz as an art form? Out of like all the different types of music you could have gotten into, why jazz? Well, first of all, thank you very much, Moses, for the intro. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to have me on. And as far as that genre of music, I, you know, I th- it's just being exposed to some records. You know, my dad's parents' record collection in the basement. They had. You know, they had Nat King Cole stuff, a lot of vocal things. There's some Duke Ellington later stuff, some Sarah Vaughan, if you, you know, best of hits. And uh, that's sort of, you know, I guess you could say a seed was planted then. And then also, too, later on in, you know, high school, I had some friends that were really into into jazz before even before i say i was into it they kind of hit me to it so it's a combination of that and uh, yeah mm, yeah also one of the things that my dad decided <laughs> when he was going to have a family was to have the kids take piano lessons so a couple that you know that's where the the uh, thing sort of took off and i decided to, after high school to to pursue pursue uh, music, a big turning point was in high school. One of the music teachers started to play Misty on a, in one of the after class. I don't remember when it was during the class, or maybe it wasn't even during the class. I just happened to be with them, and because we had two recordings, a Sarah Vaughan recording. And a, and a Johnny Mathis recording, 
I knew that I knew the song and I sort of said, Hey, I know that song. And I started to sing it. And that I sang it about, you know, a thousand times, you know, from that day forth in high school. So that, that was sort of, you know, the moment and people really enjoyed it. And so I thought, yeah, okay, well, maybe, maybe we can work with, with this. So. And it's, it's very interesting. You should say that you, learned piano at the, at that early age too and it seems that for for jazz but in, in music generally if you can sing and also learn an instrument as well that then adds to you as a as a vocalist and a performer and you can also expand and play with the range of things because you know how a piano sounds, you know, a trumpet sounds, you know, how a sax sounds. And so what you can do with that is you can then like play with that and try in a way to like imitate those sounds in your own voice and just add that other layer to it. Have you found that to be in learning piano and any other instruments? Have you found that to be like a, a, a boon in terms of you learning those? A hundred percent. I, I you know, recommend that if vocal the voice is your primary instrument that you know secondary instrument should should be either be you know so the guitar or piano to, to, as you said it's, it's certainly a very helpful foundation just you know for theoretical things harmony and uh, yeah it, it it gives you a leg up i mean but you know we know some great great artists who, who don't, but it, it, I found it very, very helpful in terms of informing decisions you make and, you know, whether it be rhythmical or melodic and yeah, it, it helps with, you know, your, your ear training or just, you know, your, your, your hearing or just people say your ear. <laughs> very helpful indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, because a lot of instrumentalists will say that particularly horn players will say that, uh, and not even that, just even the expression of being lyrical or they want to sound like they're singing, you know? And, and I also think, I often think that the voice obviously is an instrument, but the voice is like a horn. It's like a wind instrument too. So um, if you can, you know, have, have, be familiar with the keyboard or a, a guitar or something like that. it just helps, especially if you're one who, you know, if you like to improvise that sort of thing, you know, it's sort of, it helps in that way. Yeah. Like, like knowing where you can jump off from and also where to land, especially because if you don't know where to land, then it gets a little bit messy and a little bit funky yeah. in that in that gray yeah. spot yeah yeah and and what you know when you're learning the you know guitar or piano i mean you realize it helps you to realize that you are developing a vocabulary and you also you know appreciate that improvisation sort of a bit of a misnomer but it's it's not as if you're just making stuff up on the spot you know, I think there's that, the, the, the notion that improvising is just out of nowhere, you know, you just make stuff up and it's a bit of a paradox, but cause you, you, whatever vocabulary you have amassed, you can have a conversation, but you know, it's sort of like, you know, if someone asks you to do a little impromptu speech on a, on a dog, you know, or something like that, you would, you know what I mean? You'd have some context and you'd, you'd, uh, you put it together like that. So, so uh, improvising as it were, or soloing as a bit like that. Yeah. Well, whenever you were, you attended McGill University. That's one of like the, the, the premier universities in Canada. When you were there, was it that you learned about, about like music language the language of music in terms of the technical aspect of it or was it something you were exposed to earlier before attending that uh, your the jazz yeah 
I was exposed to, well, I, I studied piano uh, privately before attending, before going to McGill. In fact, I was at another university prior to that in Toronto, York University for a couple of years, and then I transferred to over to McGill. But prior to that, I'd, I'd studied piano, classical piano with the Royal Conservatory. And so there was a theoretical component as well. So I had a little bit was familiar with that, but in terms of, you know, the, the harmony and the theory from, from a jazz perspective, this, it was, it was new, you know, coming to, and I did have a couple of jazz lessons just before auditioning and being accepted to McGill. So, but on the whole, being exposed to it like that, it was, it was a new experience. And I, I, you know, I don't know, I, I can't say that I was an ideal student in terms of, I think, I, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, sort of several years after, you know, sort of like, oh, okay, that's what they were saying, you know, that's what they were doing. And still, uh, it's, you know, it's a work in progress. So, and uh, yeah, I ended up just falling back on, uh, I, I sort of sang for my supper, although I, I went in as a, as a, you know, piano major, but uh, ended up singing more so with the the ensembles there the big band and things like that but yeah well you have had an illustrious career working both like on stage and also within film and the way that you perform like how do you perform in each of those arenas whenever you're you're performing Well, I, I suppose that, you know, you try to be as authentic as possible. I, I, my, my film career is, is, I wouldn't say it's, it's not a very expansive, it's not like the other, the counterpart, the other Denzel, Mr. Washington. I, I have to say a bit, you know, gone through a bit of a transformation in that, specifically about music now, where, because I, I sort of adapted a spiritual lifestyle and, and, and meditation is a big part of, of my life. And so what, it was a game changer in that, while I was always, con you know, concerned about quality control, whether I was singing pitch or, you know, um, I was much more dependent on the audience, on the, you know, the feedback, you know, and, you know, you live for those, you know, the, the shows, you know, and it's, it's a bit of a high, and, but after a while, it was, it was less about that. It was more, what could I be giving coming already full to the performance? Because during the day, you know, just trying to keep that even keel and, you know, it's kind of extending the stage and, and, uh, and just expressing musically. I mean, our conversation is no less fulfilling than, you know, performing, you know, being in front of an, an, an audience, a larger audience. So that, that is a, a bit of a, that was a big, a major change. And, uh, and you could tell just from the, the, uh, the feedback, the re the response, it's becoming more of, a, of an instrument. And so similarly too, like with the little acting I've had, it was, the goal was to be an instrument and just allow the character to flow through you and to be as authentic as possible, you know? So in that way, that definitely is the parallel is there, but I have more experience doing it musically than <laughs> than theatrically although it's you know but it's a fine line isn't it you know it's all theater in the end isn't it true yeah, yeah. on a stage using a voice projecting yeah and yeah. people are there yeah you're yeah you're you're a messenger for the you're you know for the message you know yeah so one of your more critically acclaimed performances was for Unforgettable, 
like the story about Nat King Cole, and and that was the performance that you did with. You co-starred with the D Daniels in in that performance, and I was wondering, like, how how were you able to in that in that moment in that performance be able to to capture the essence of of Nat King Cole and. Whenever you did that, was it something that you were, was it a tall order for you in terms of that? Or, or was it more of a, it's like a, a dream come true kind of thing? <laughs> it was, well, first of all, I, I just, as a slight, just to clarify, there are two productions of Unforgettable. The very, the very first one I did, I was, it was, it was myself and a cast of others. D wasn't involved with it at that time. We're currently doing it. We have a pops show of the same. People can never be original, right? They always, it's got to be unforgettable. <laughs> it's hard, you know, it's like saying you coming something new. But anyway, they unforgettable. So, so if I would speak to the first, my first experience, which is what brought me, I was living in Montreal at the time, just, just, you know, a few years after having graduated from McGill and then received an, uh, a call and offer to, to come out to, to play in this new production of Unforgettable, the music life of, you know, musical based on Nat King Cole's life. Now, Nat King Cole, you know, probably my greatest influence, inspiration. And I'd been getting a lot of comparisons. So, so much so it was kind of tiring to, to sort of say, look, I'm not trying to sound like Nat. And, and the last thing I wanted to do I was already getting the comparison. The last thing I would wanted to do was to go out and portray Nat, you know. So my knee-jerk reaction when the offer came was no. But then, you know, obviously there was a bit of back and forth. It, it also coincided with a time in my life where I was, I realized that opportunities come in disguise, you know. So I was like, okay. Let's embrace this as both a challenge, as a challenge rather, to both honor my hero, but also be myself. So that's what I did. You know, I'm fortunate if I did get, I did get the gig and uh, it was quite an experience. It was so, I mean, it, it very, went very, it was well received, I should say. And I, I would say that. I was somewhat successful in, you know, the challenge. It, I mean, it didn't go on as they would have, they were hoping it sort of came to a, a bit of an abrupt ending, but it was, it did, did really well when we did it in, out in Vancouver and Victoria. And that's again, D and I met, I think after one of those performances, that's probably the first time we actually met. Yeah, it was it was a it was an amazing experience. As I said, I was just it was the last thing I thought I would do, but I I I felt that I was able to do justice to Nat and but also be original, be me too. Yeah, and then so in the same way, it's to a lesser degree, but with with D now and the the pops concerts, still very much, you know doing justice to the music, but maybe there's a little more, wow. In this case, there's no costume. <laughs> I'm not like, you know, I'm not like dressed up and we, you know, I don't have, you know, mm. the hair isn't straightened and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, I'm wearing my own clothes. <laughs> Do you know? So it's, it's not a, it's not a, rev a review as such, but the, the selections of his tunes and just, you know, I think now with the experience I'm able to, I've been able to put, if I will, more of a, a personal spin on the, on the songs, like that, the meaningful tunes like nature boy and Mona Lisa and things like that. And just some life experiences. So it's been really great that way. So an enhanced people getting a sense of where, where my head is at while I'm singing this, these songs and and people are like, wow, do you know, you, you sound so much like him. Anyway, so it's sort of like, you know, it's like a genre, you know, like if I, if it was, if it was, 
European classical music, they might say I sound like Pavarotti or something like that, you know, but then it's, there's, there's the croon, the American popular song and there's a crooning, you know, like yeah. Buble sounds like early, Matt Buble sounds like early Frank. So did Harry Connick, right? Early Frank. Yeah. Sinatra, right? So not too many people. I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Then you have, if you're singing like Nat King, if you sing the songs that Nat sang, and if you sing it in that style, then boom. <laughs> not easy to, yeah. Yeah, easy to cast you as him in a in a, in a performance and in a, in, a, in a tribute concert. That's that was the first time I did um, forget something that the production that was called Unforgettable. But this one with D, it's just it's Nat and Natalie, and they, it's an unforgettable. You know what I mean? Like they just use unforgettable. It's always an unforgettable evening. Yeah. So, but we're not. Uh, there's no script per se. We're just sharing. She's sharing her experiences of her you know connection to the the natalie cole song she's singing and that whole thing yeah so it's great it's a lovely lovely rapport and mm. yeah because when i was doing my research for this it was i listened to a couple of your of your songs of your new album that you guys put out together and so i was listening to your voice and it's like that sounds a lot like nat king cole and then when that <laughs> when i dived deeper and i found that you did unforgettable okay oh okay that makes that makes so much more sense so it's definitely <laughs> yeah you can definitely tell that he's had an, an impact on on who you are as a as a jazz artist for sure mm, mm, mm. i think yeah and one of the things that struck me as a kid you know listening to it was just i, I mean i just loved the quality of the voice like the, it was a very soothing quality and then also you know i remember being really fascinated when i saw old television footage of him as well because i'd never seen him and i and at that point i'd only known him as a vocalist i didn't know he played piano as well so when i when i discovered first i, I discovered that he played piano i visited my uncle in in brooklyn once and he had i went through his records and one of them was the piano stylings of nat king cole and i was floored you know i was like wow i didn't know he played piano too because i was taking piano lessons as well i was like oh how cool but then, you know, when I was seeing him live and footage, I was just struck by, he just seemed like a really humble, I, like, I was struck by his humility, you know? And, and that, that definitely is a big inspiration as well. I just like his, uh, yeah, his humility. I like that a lot. Yeah, he does seem, in, in the footage that you do see of him, he does seem to be really, like relaxed and really mellow and just really comes to the music as well. And it's really relaxing, soothing music mm. that he, that he performs and you get mm. that feeling in your heart. And it's just like, you can just relax, lay back and just listen to this wonderful performance that he's giving. Yeah. And, and I also think that there's that side too. And it also it's that humility comes, there's a quiet, it's kind of a, I guess a confidence too. Maybe you know. I'm sure everybody has things that they'd like to work on. But because he was a, he was a, a trailblazer in many ways as well too. Just oh yeah, to, yeah. So it's amazing. Just even this trio that his piano stylings influenced a lot of people. Even like Oscar Peterson was inspired a little bit by it and a lot by it and other people. So yeah, and then. Yeah, just the television show and the whole thing and stuff like that. So yeah, just a cool dude. <laughs> yeah, he, he really is. He really, he really was. Yeah, really, just one of those like like souls you could really just like feel. Mm. Just put you at ease about things. Yeah, in that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So in terms of how you usually would go about sourcing songs and, and, and performing songs, what is your creative process like in terms of you're about to do a performance or you're wanting to go do a performance? Do you draw on a repertoire that you have already or is it something of, is it a matter of adding new songs to the repertoire and 
figuring out what it is that you really want to perform in the moment at at those concerts. How do you go about doing that? Well, I have, I, I like to, I mean, there are some exceptions to it too, but I, there was a time where I was just really into singing ballads, you know, I like ballads, like stuff. But you know, a lot of ballads, they're kind of downer, <laughs> you know? So as much if I can, as much as I can, I, I I try to stick to tunes that are a little like, a little more upbeat. I know some people, you know, variety's nice, and obviously you know there's yin and yang to life. So balance is key. But I I find that I do stick to you know keep to kind of upbeat, even like slower tunes, kind of upbeat message feeling. And if, and if not, if they're, you know, it is sort of unrequited love or whatever, I will, it's all in the attitude, you know, I try to sing it from, from a place of it's a, a lesson, a good lesson to learn. You know what I mean? You always come out of it and, and not that you you stay down or whatever, but it's, a, you know, how you can, you join, maybe set up the song or, or maybe what you surround it with by other tunes that you know it's just a temporary moment and you, you you come out of it type of thing but uh, i i have a you know the few students that i just keep doing because the audiences are different but every now and again if i feel like infusing something new you know you, you, i i enjoy speaking of new m my favorite thing to do i'm not a prolific i don't have a lot of original material but i do l like to arrange and and just reharm and put a different spin onto you know like I'm gonna kind of mash up or just to to change it up and one of the fun things I do enjoy is taking you know because a lot of what we call jazz tune standards you know we know they were popular songs of the day, American popular song, right? So they weren't intended to be, they weren't written as jazz or swing tunes as such. So it's fun to, to treat a lot of those tunes in a, you know, kind of a pop way, contemporary-ish pop. I mean, yeah, just not, not in this, not in the straight ahead way, but just make them a little more pop and that's you know definitely not a new idea a lot of people are doing that to great success but it's been fun i enjoy i enjoy doing that yeah and so that would be like taking something and like changing up the syncopation a little bit to make it have that little bit of like a snap to it swing yeah. kind of yeah. yeah either make it swing or or make it not swing you know what i mean yeah if you're used yeah. to hearing it swing make it um, you know, straight eights or make it, give it a little backbeat. Or I also like to, I like samba very, I like bossa nova, excuse me. Samba, oh, yes. Bossa nova very much. So everything, you put anything with bossa nova, it's like a great sauce, right? <laughs> Whatever it your is. favorite sauce is, like that's for me, like that's bossa nova. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it just has that different texture to it, that layer. You, and again, it's one of those things, once you hear it, it's like, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, and it works. It, it, it works. does. Yeah. It's a nice sauce. So I enjoy doing that. Uh, I like that. And then, and it's interesting. And even sometimes just slowing the tune down, you know, and people, and people are like, wow, you know, I've never heard the lyrics like before, you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> just, if you slow it down, sometimes you're like, wow, that, oh yeah, that's what that means. And even, even for myself now, I've, I've been, I've been listening to a lot of, well, just checking out some seventies tunes. I like tunes from the seventies, sort of the seventies ballads and they're a bit of a soundtrack for me. And uh, I was always more into the, the sound of the tune, the, you know, the beat, the rhythm. I never listened to the message and only <laughs> now I'm hearing it all, you know, like when you, it's like, oh, okay. Some of them, and again, you know, it goes back like, wow, he's, that's a great tune, but it's kind of a downer. Yeah, a little bit. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. 
but yeah just like finding that music finding the thing that resonates with you as you said even if it's not the message just maybe like the the tune the beat to it and just finding a way to like mix that in to what you already have and make it have that extra layer to it yeah 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 Yeah. absolutely absolutely so what are some of the things that you do in order to 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 train your voice in order to to sing those songs and all those different styles. Do you have like a, a vocal routine that you do either before performance or before you practice? Like, is this something that you do, like any special teas that you take or anything like that? Well, it's, sure. yeah, I, a key thing is, is, I do have some sort of warm, warm up. So I'm, I'm not necessarily the best example, but I, certainly better than I used to be. Voc, you know, your diet is key, you know, and I do have like teas and water keep lubricated, but I think a big part of it is mental. And by that, and just under, and then understanding to have, having a better understanding of myself, having a better understanding of how just not f- forcing things, you know, being relaxed and allowing it to, to come out. And that's been helpful. I was fortunate enough to, to be studying, study with great voice specialist, Jeannie Levetri, And I, I learned a ton, you know, using somatic voice work. So yeah, some great exercises of just, you know, being relaxed, but focused, you know, and proper body alignment there's a few a few things from mechanics there that 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 definitely help out but uh, the main thing is above it is just awareness awareness i know it sounds so simple but it's just really an awareness and coupled with along with that awareness comes your being authentic as well because sometimes when the if if the mechanics aren't so you know up to snuff one evening not to worry about it as long as i'm in a good place that's what people come away with is is the vibes is your vibration you know because you could have a i'm sure i don't know i mean i know i've seen technically flawless performances or experience but not really being moved so much whereas when someone is really feeling the music or you know they're coming from an authentic place that you come away with that much more so so yeah so it's about that as again as you said it's not technical it's it's more of like a, a vibe that you have to put out in order to Make sure people are actually connecting to the music, to the message, and they're able to then understand that and experience that in the way that you as the performer are experiencing and sharing it with them. Yes. And I, I, I don't in any way, like, definitely, there's, there's, there's definitely technique is involved as well. And it's equally important, but I would give the slight edge to the, for me, it's a slight edge to the vibe. <laughs> and yeah. and the, the more, the more, you know, awareness you can have in terms of technique, it'll, it'll, it can help. It can help in terms of longevity, you know, keeping your, keeping, the, you know, your voice healthy for a longer period of, of time, keeping it elastic and stuff like that for sure warm-ups mm-hmm. and things like that and and knowing yeah prevent preventing yourself from, from pushing and overextending and just yeah allowing the larynx to move up where it needs to go according to the vibration of the notes you're singing and things like that and yeah hmm. and so you discussed the diet as well um, what are some of the things that you you eat maybe as you're getting ready for a performance up until the day of that really help you to to get into the zone and also help you to 
perform vocally at your best? Well, I guess when I'm thinking about diet, I probably because you know that everyone everyone's physiology is different, and every, you know what I mean. Everybody is. Yeah. But I I suppose you know like certain things might not be like you try to maybe stay away from dairy right away, close close to the performance, or you know, but you know, <laughs> or things things like that, just things that build up the, the mucus or whatever. Also, just if you can hold off on for for me, you know, like I don't, I'm not a coffee drinker, so it doesn't always. I can't even say much, but certain things are not so great, like the caffeines or the alcohols or whatever, are just not good, not the greatest for vocal health. But you know, there are a lot of great artists that we know that that's the, you know what I mean. They like sort of defy that, or you know what I mean. It's sort of to, to each their 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 own um but I, I i like you know sort of like maybe room temperature water for example or just some like a tea some tea i might have some tea before that before or around you know during the at a break or something like that to have some hot beverage or something like that and sometimes lozenges are good it, it really depends yeah it's not a and, you know, I don't have like a, a, a set formula, but there's things that I will avoid. Let's, you know what I mean? It, it, it just depends. Yeah. 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 And it is much easier to figure out what it is that isn't compatible with your, with your performance in terms of being able to, to, to sing well compared to just finding all the things that work because all the things that work to an incredible performance for one day, Maybe again, different variables. Maybe it's just like the type of water at the place you were. Maybe it was yeah. the temperature of the room. Anything like exactly. that. Exactly, exactly. And thank you for temperature wise. I I do as much as possible avoid air conditioning. Really? You know, like yeah, like just direct, like in a car or anything like that. I just don't. I had a bad experience many years ago where I was sitting. I didn't realize it, but sitting right in front of the air conditioning, blasting. And it just dries you out and it just got, I got ill, you know, it, a lot of people, you, you notice they're sniffling or get sick because it's the air conditioning. Air conditioning is, is not great. So I do avoid that. And also if you, as much as you can keep a humidifier going, like, you know, in your own place, you know, like if obviously it's wherever you hotels aren't going to have it, but as much as you can keep your you know your 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 surroundings humid it helps especially in, well in in Canada anyway certain places it's quite dry in the winter so a lot of the heating there's electronic heating and anyway so just and humidity is 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 key hmm. it's key do you, yeah. do you have smoking to... you know what I mean and the smoking and all that stuff right you know the the, the usual suspects right yeah, all that all that Not stuff, idea. all the different like paraphernalia you you would ingest yeah. in order to yeah, mm. yeah. Do you do you use essential oils or do you diffuse essential oils in any way or or not really? No, no. I I don't, and not because I don't like. I guess it's just yeah, I haven't done that. Maybe it's, maybe no, I haven't. Okay, now just because you said get a like use a humidifier and that yeah, help no, that's that a lovely made... I, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, that I can totally appreciate the connection, uh, but just uh, keeping, you know, it's like for a lot of music stores, you know, they have their, they got the uh, humidifiers going on, you know, like for the guitar room or every, you know, piano room. They so it's the same thing for the, the our voice, the voice, the human body, just uh, to keep it as much as moist as uh, as possible. Because you'll notice in certain venues. You can tell it's it's drier, you know what I mean. So that it gets a little, <laughs> that's it can get a little challenging, you know. It's like, yep, there you parched, and so those are the, so that's so in those instances, it's nice to have, uh, you know, the teas or whatever in the backstage or a lozenge, you know, your ricolas, just uh, do the things like they have those handy or apples or you know or grapes are nice, pineapples are nice, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, that there really is like a. I wouldn't. I mean, I would call it like a science kind of thing to making sure that you have the optimum voice, and it's not just about drinking this tea or making sure that you you take this 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 pill or like do this routine, but there's more of as you said, it's more like personal, and you tailor it to your own needs and to. I guess in that in that case, the way that the the voice works, how your own personal voice works, and making sure that you tailor your whatever you do to your voice or the voice that you either maybe aspire to have, as well, yeah, so you can train it that way. Yeah, that's a very very good good point, Moses. And I also was thinking too, and and also depends on there's so many genres of music as well. Obviously, yeah, right. So certain vocalists are it's a lot more demanding they're like you know those musical theater or just you know rock or or whatever genres just quite a bit more demanding whereas you know for myself i'm primarily more crooning you know what i mean so even that it's kind of more like there may be more mixed mixing i'm not belting so i mean that, that has its challenges as well just if you're more on the mix side but yeah, so it, it depends. And, and you know, obviously, we, let's not forget about rest, <laughs> vocal rest. Oh, yeah. And so another one thing I do try to upkeep is not just talk too much. I don't, I, I prefer to, yeah, just like vocal rest before a performance. I don't like to speak too much if, you know, if, Sometimes they might, you know, you might have a request to meet, you know, supporters of the orchestra or whatever. Yeah. And I usually, I'd usually, you know, maybe afterwards. Occasionally you have to, you know, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not, I'm not gonna, it's not gonna be the end of the world. But yeah, I like to not speak too much before a performance. I can hours so before if I can. Yeah. 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 It helps. It's amazing what vocal rest can can do. Yeah, because I mean, if you're going to be giving singing for around an hour or so, um, you definitely would want to make sure you have a, a decent reserve or at least something where you can be mm-hmm. be able to sustain for that length, that amount of. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean, you think it's funny the, the instrument is both the instrument that make music with but it's also our means of com- communication so it's like you're talking all day and yeah you know yeah i remember <laughs> i had an experience i driving up to a gig it was a, what a four i don't know four drive or something with a friend and we came in on a train he picked me up at the train station and we, we drove up and we hadn't seen each other a while so we were yapping but we were, we were catching up and blah blah, blah talking probably the air conditioning was on too and by the time we got to the city, I had no voice. I was, I didn't even realize, you know, but I was like, you know, I had to do an interview. Oh gosh. I didn't have most of the voice. It was, it was amazing, you know? And then I had to do the, there were two shows, right? And it's like, wow. I was maybe like 60% of a voice or maybe even less. Oh. So, but it was, it was an incredible experience though, Moses, because I was like, you know, okay, folks, I'm just going to be frank with you. I don't have it. Oh, I'm going to give it to you. It's not your fault, but I did it. And it was, they were cool, you know, and I, I sang it and it was cool. It was great because there actually were some colors. I wish I could, I could <laughs> harness at will, <laughs> you know, just a little deeper. And, but so yes, from, for those types of things, it's like, okay, then so yeah, we're not, that's not happening again. <laughs> so vocal rest is, is key. Well, how would a person now, would you say, compared from when you started your career and compared to, to now, how would a person start their career in, in jazz music as a, as a jazz vocalist specifically, as you have done? Wow, Moses. It's such a different landscape now, right? It's such a... I, I, it's everything just everything on youtube you know what i mean it's just uh, 
it's so I can't even I don't know if I can speak to that, you know, like, how do you it's it's now similar avenue in terms of like, you could go to school, you know, and that's how you, you know, you study the study the music at school, and then you, de you develop a network. And then depending on how socially, you know, active and aware you are in social media and stuff like that, and you build up your network of people and it's probably a very similar thing, maybe just a little quicker now. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely Yeah, I think I think I should be asking the, the you know, the, the people today now how to do it. But yeah, it, it's the same, but a little maybe expedited, you know, it's, it's just different. And also just think to the, the, the jazz umbrella is much broader now even than, you know, than when I was starting up too, right? What jazz means like. It's just I mean, different. It's, it's just, it's, it's kind of blurry, you know, like this, there are, I know I have particular, what I, you know, resonate with more under the jazz umbrella than in some other things, you know? So yeah. And, yeah let's see <laughs> yeah no and, and i mean like start yeah. a band you know like you pick some tunes and put a band together and get some gigs kind of like you know yeah and i mean you're right it is it has changed so drastically mm -hmm. but it's not even from from, from like what whenever you started out but i mean even like in the last maybe five years or so with all these different platforms popping up and short form content being a thing and yeah, people yeah. taking off with that. It, yeah. It's just been, it's been wild to see just how a person can go from absolutely like maybe even negative recognition to, to, to becoming like what we, what we yeah. would call a star. And so yeah. it's one of those things that it's been a, one of those like interesting things to observe. Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting. I was yeah. just thinking, you know, Moses, maybe, maybe, maybe we figure out a way to have like a new genre of jazz type of jazz called viral jazz. <laughs> oh. Viral jazz. I'm a viral jazzer. But, I, <laughs> but even now, yeah. I actually saying that now, I, 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 you know, for the longest while, I, the focus was jazz. I mean, I was, I, I would almost say I was like a bit of a jazz police in my earlier days in school, but that's certainly changed. And then just, cause I, I mean, I didn't always just like, it wasn't that I always, I only liked jazz music. I like, I love music in general. It just so happened that I decided to focus on, on jazz when I went to school. And the idea was to sort of, you know, kind of branch out again, but I ended up just kind of staying in that, but yeah. So the so the challenge is you know not to to you know to be able to come out of that mold you know to be you know that can be nowadays you know a lot of my contemporaries are, are very diversified you know very uh, excuse me the word escapes me they're very versatile there you go <laughs> you know in the things that they can do people now so adept at music production as well you know so not just playing but also being able to record it and edit and all that stuff and so the more that you can get into that that that's that's very helpful too yeah and it seems that jazz i'd say maybe Jazz and gospel, those are, those are two genres that very much go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems as if, if you get into, into one of those, that's whenever people look at you or hear you, they think of you as a, as a jazz artist, as a gospel artist. And it seems like those are the two. 
one that I would have said maybe added on to that would have been like country, but it seems like that's also been more mainstream and also has been able to be more diverse in terms of the way that it's been portrayed and also sung and, and, and whatnot. But mm -hmm. yeah, it seems like for jazz and gospel, if, if you're in it, you're in it. And if you're in it, you are definitely like a part of the, the inner circle of the, of that genre. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought so much about the country. Yeah, although that's country music. I like country music. I like most of the earlier stuff. I've, I, said, I, I resonate more with it than the earlier stuff. Uh, and, you know, have notions. It would be interesting to step into that, well, to, to step into that foray. Definitely have a lot of memories of tunes growing up in fact i did i i had a very interesting experience singing with the count basie orchestra i mean the legacy band obviously he had passed but many many years ago in nashville on this show called this old show called nashville now the count basie orchestra was they were doing the tunes of hank williams so oh, wow. i was i was asked to i was singing i was the vocalist for that it was quite a thing we had, we were all decked out in cowboy outfits. <laughs> oh man, it's unbelievable. It was the brainchild of a, a Scottish producer. And there he, I was over in Europe with the, the McGill jazz band. We were at the jazz festival there in Ireland. And we were also on a television show there in Ireland. And so anyway, this producer saw me and thought it'd be an interesting idea to have me sing with the Count Basie band, the music of Hank Williams. It's fun. Wow. That, that sounds like that'll be an incredible experience. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was first and only trip to Nashville. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, that, that's interesting. The, the, yeah, jazz, the, the stigmatism or, you know, and gospel as well such such yeah and i mean I, I could be wrong maybe there's somebody out there right now that's just blending everything together and coming up with with, with viral jazz so <laughs> we'll, we'll never know until we actually like see that in action but yeah yeah well denzel thank you so much for your your time today on the on the show um you, i have Moses. one more oh absolutely you're welcome one more question for you, and that is, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? <laughs> what a beautiful... Everything is going to be all right. Why would that be a message? That's that's an excellent message. Because things are not always what they appear to be. And things happen in cycles. And so after night comes the day, after the winter comes the spring, without fail. So, you know, when we say it's all good, it really is all good if you can remember it's quite deep so no matter what is going on mm -hmm. it is it is playing out as it should maybe not the way i would have written it but it's playing out as it should everything happens in consequence but mm -hmm. yeah just the fact that we don't have the, the big picture some, it, it makes things seem random and and unfair, but or that there's no hope. But it's everything's going to be all right. Yeah, it's interesting the way you should the way that you like broke up like consequence and consequence and the big picture. And whenever you said that, I thought of like a movie. 
in terms of all these different scenes and that the movie's the big picture and we're just living out these little vignettes within that yeah the big picture yeah. and so yeah. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely it's it's i yeah sometimes i think about it'd be fun to do a movie and i'm sure that ideas have, have come like that in movies but you know if you yeah just like that's beautiful the way you say little vignettes and yeah how we're Shakespeare's, you know, that quote is so accurate. You know, the world is is a stage, and we're all players. And if you, you know, resonate with the notion, well, first of all, you know, energy is neither created or destroyed, right? So, if it resonates with you that a human being is, is two parts, it's the being. Or this, you say body and soul, human being, soul the being, and then the costume is the human or the body, you know. So, and then there's like living, there's like conscious energy, which is what the soul is aware of, you know, conscious energy aware of itself that can think, and then there's physical energy that goes through changes and things like that, anyway. So Another cyclical thing is that what we have come to know as birth and death, but if you think of it more as like birth and rebirth, then it gives you, it broadens the time line for a lot of things and can explain, you know, how things transpire. So it's like we've seen productions where, you know, one actor will play several characters you know so similarly too if you work with it it's like once the, this part of denzel sinclair ends then i the soul that had been playing this part i move on to my next part and what i will take with me are all of the attributes that i've accumulated up to this point like my tendencies, talents, things, issues that I haven't worked out. And then in my next part, role, incarnation, those things will somehow be in, elicited. They'll come out. And then you kind of continue that. It's sort of like it helps. You know, he's, he's like, you know, three years old is, you know, these math geniuses or like someone's playing Rachmaninoff or, you know, it's like these prodigies, right? Well, you, you, the only reason you get good at something is if you've done it a long time. So if you're only working with one lifetime, it doesn't make any sense. But basically, it's like you stop riding a bike for a bit, but once you get back on the bicycle, it's like, boom, you pick it up again. So if I've in previously, if I've come into this situation and I was a con, if I played a lot of piano or I was an athlete or whatever, as soon as I start to get familiar with, as soon as the body gets big enough for me to start to use it again, and if I'm exposed to those things again, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, you get back into it, you know? So, it, I mean, like, so for some, it's still a little bit of stretch, but it, it can make, it makes sense of a lot of things if you go that way. And so, yeah, all that, all that to say is like, everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own story. Well, that's eloquent and beautifully put. <laughs> Thanks, Moses. A pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time, Denzel. Thank you and continued success. To you as well. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black Gold Podcast, Stories of Black Dreamers and Doers. Please go ahead and subscribe and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now so that it can reach more people. If you want to get in touch with me personally, go ahead and send me an email at blackgoldpod at gmail.com. If you want to talk about the show or if you want to talk about how to create your own podcast, where you can find people and talk with them about the topic of your interest. If you want to go further into doing that, 
make sure to go to www.blackgoldpod.com and go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom and get yourself a copy of the Side Gig Podcast Guide. It's a guide that I put together for you to start a quality podcast on a low budget. So go ahead and do those things, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.